Welcome, friends. Last guy here, and it's time for us to have basically a podcast with Jacqueline Joy, community manager, community developer, and a bad influence because we're <sighs> drinking. I didn't make him do it. I swear. You didn't make me pour <laughs> this entire thing. That looks like water. That was all but you. <laughs> does not taste like water. Okay. Well, if the, if the guest wants to drink, well, I better be on an even playing field. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about community questions, developer questions, because I know you've been doing some developer classes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. That's really worth talking about. It's always worth talking about just people who are actually in the business. Very interesting to see your outlook on things. And the first thing I want to talk about is it's been a couple months now, so how's like Halcyon 6 doing? And... and like the company itself, like how does a company work after it's been a couple months after a game's done? Are they just working on the next thing? They're bugs fixing. What are they doing? Like, what do you do? Um, we are working on like um, another project as well, and we're also still working on Halcyon Six, like um, keeping up with updates and providing bug fixes. And then we have a DLC actually coming along the way. And um, yeah, we're still working um, on a lot of things I can't really announce yet, mm-hmm. but hopefully it'll be announced soon. But we're just in that space right now where we're just like hunkering down and just like basically taking through a lot of the work. And hopefully we'll be able to announce like any news soon, hopefully. Hmm. I'm so bad at keeping secrets, <laughs> but I got to like try extra hard. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. want you to get in trouble, of course. Yes. <laughs> but you drink enough, we're going to get in trouble at some point, I'm oh, sure God. about that. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, so you're working on the game, you have another one going, and... Mm-hmm. Actually, this leads to a question. like, how early is too early to let people know about your game? Because I feel like the big example people use is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Like, like, they put that one out, like, years way ahead. Yeah, it depends on your marketing plan. Like, um, I know some studios, they have, like, started posting about their work, like, right at the start of development. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of Ooblets. I think that's from uh, it's like a, Tim it's Schafer's a, group, right? There, uh, it's uh, it's like uh, I forgot. Uh, it's like an iOS game. Also, I think it's also coming to Steam as well. If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, I could yeah. be, but it's like a kind of like Animal Crossing in a way. And yeah, then it's gonna you're, be like a mix. Exactly, and then um, basically, I think I remember following their development like since day one. So I think it really depends on like your plan. But like I know, I know that most indie devs they usually share their work. Like right on day one, like sharing all, like tweeting all these like gifs and just like I guess blogging about it. But I guess like for everyone, like there needs to be a plan in place first before, because you have to be strategic about like how you share things sometimes. Hmm. Well, that's what I think. Um, you can't just you can't just like uh, I guess like blurb about it randomly. Well, you could I guess, but it works for some people. But I guess like games marketing is so important right now that like um, the way that you execute your strategy is just as important as the game development itself. Definitely, especially mm-hmm. with how how worried are you about getting noticed, considering that like twenty, thirty, forty games are coming out every day? Mm. Um. Well, the thing is that like uh, we also had like a good rep with Halcyon Six, so hopefully mm-hmm. that um, builds uh, trust in us as developers with our audience, and hopefully they'll play our next game. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, I feel like if, when you have a pedigree, it does help you a lot more because yeah. you have a following to mm-hmm. start from. Yeah. Like, as long like, as you have, like, a portfolio of games that people have played before, then uh, it'll be easier to get, get into that, uh, access that niche or our audience. Mm-hmm. So, 
that would be a lot scarier if Halcyon 6 was coming mm-hmm. out now and not earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it really depends. Like, um, like I guess for us, like, we're, uh, we're still updating Halcyon 6 and, like, coming out with updates and, like, downloadable co- content. So, um, I guess, like, we have a really good access to our following, so I, I wouldn't consider... I wouldn't be, like, scared or anything. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I just... There's just so many games coming out there, and, like... Yeah. Uh, and also, there's conventions as well. Like, hmm. if you go to a convention, also, uh, you get a lot of um, coverage from the press, and also, like, uh, consumers who play your games, too. Actually, like, how important is, like, conventions? Because, like, one example is Yacht Club Games. When, when they were coming out with Shovel Knight, they did their Kickstarter... <laughs> And it was doing okay, but they weren't sure if they were going to make it. Mm-hmm. And then they went to PAX, and it, then their Kickstarter blew up. Oh, yeah. PAX is like a really, really, uh, it's like a really, really good convention, I guess, for indie developers. And also, they also have like PAX East, PAX West, PAX South. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have a PAX North. I'm pretty sure they have a PAX North. But um, yeah. It? Yeah. But even like for us, uh, when we went to Gamescom, it was like a really big, I guess, we had a wider access to our audience because. Uh, apparently, like a lot of German people like to play um, strategy games, and I didn't know that. So, yeah, that was we had a really good um, time at Gamescom, but which well, I think I talked about in the last podcast. I think. I'm trying it was to a remember, while ago. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how much we, I know. We talked about it maybe a little yeah. bit, but just in case I forgot to ask it, like how intimidating is Gamescom? Because it's just gigantic, right? Like it's the biggest one. Yeah, um, I think it had like three hundred and sixty thousand people attending and for us we worked the booth every single day i think for like 10 hours straight like from sorry not 10 hours uh well it was around 10 hours but like basically it was like five of us we just took turns like manning the booth and oh oh, like by the end of that i was just like all social (laughs) i just like flopped onto bed i was just like oh dead completely but like it's a lot of people because like um for every new person that comes to your booth, you have to like tell them about your game. And like, since for us, it's like, it was like a strategy game, right? So yeah. like, we it was a lot of explaining to do. Um, we made like one thing I would have done differently for next con, con I guess, like is to um, have like a more, um, I guess, instructional demo. So because then for us, like um, for our game, it's like a lot to take in. Since, like, they throw you right in and you have to, like, do all these uh, tasks not to, like, die, basically. But, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, for us, like, we had to explain what our game was about. It's about, like, strategy and, like, resource management. You have to fly around, blah, blah, blah. Like, we spent at least, I think, five to ten minutes or even more, like, I think minimum, like, ten minutes on each person, like, explaining what the game was about. So it was really tiring. And, like, by the end of the day, like, our voices were all dead from talking too much. Dang. And then yeah, we had to, that, like, go to socialize after, but, uh, yeah. Networking and all the stuff for your yeah. game and everything. Jeez. Yeah, but it was really fun because, like, everyone was so supportive and everyone was so excited, so you kind of get into that atmosphere and spirit. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, okay, so you don't have, like, a specific demo for Halcyon 6? Like, like we, we, like, uh, we made a build for it, but it was just, like, basically the tutorial and, like, we loaded up some saves from the game in which, like, we can just take the user, uh, the players there then they can basically, you know, just, like, um, play the game on their own. But, like, some of them didn't know what they're doing, because since it's a strategy game, you have to, like, when you jump right in, it's like, 
a lot to do right off the bat. Like you have to check your planets and you check and you have to check like your crew. You also have to check like what's attacking you. So yeah, that's a lot to manage. Yeah. Definitely a lot going on. I remember uh, one, I was at Comic-Con, uh, Clay, they did Oxygen Not Included, and their mm -hmm. demo was like a 30-minute demo. Oh, wow. So you just sat there for 30 minutes, and you could just do whatever, and if the person uh -huh. left, then you could just reset the demo. Uh -huh. But that's how they mapped theirs out, so it's interesting seeing just different demos. Yeah. Uh, some are just drop in and just do whatever's there and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Just interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, just out of curiosity, are they adding more random events to Halcyon 6, just out of curiosity, or... Adding more... Like, the random events, like oh, like the O'Brien clones and things like that. Oh, um, they're procedurally generated, so I guess, like, it just picks from, like, a random bunch, but, like, um, I think, yes, we are adding some ra more random events, but I think it's, like, included in the DLC. Okay, because those yeah. are hilarious. Those yeah. are pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> our, our game writer, uh, Peter, he's he's a really funny guy. So he's the one who's like writing all the uh, the narratives for Halcyon Six. Yeah. Mm. Oh, now I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Day one of Gamescom to day five of Gamescom. So, as you're explaining the game, uh, you must have like like found like sharper ways to explain things or more clearly, or just uh -huh. just improving over the time. Mm -hmm. But um, one question is, okay, I gotta ask this. Like, what is just someone you really don't want to see at your booth, like? We haven't had really like anyone who was like vocally negative, like "Oh, this game is so shitty and it sucks." Like we've had people who are like, "Oh, it's a strategy game. It's a little bit boring. Not for me. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like we get like strategy games aren't for everyone, and it's fine." Because like before, like I never really played strategy games. But that was because I'm just bad at strategy. <laughs> but like it's something that you have to get used to. Like once you play more, right? Um, since it's a part, yeah. it's a part of my job now, so. I actually love strategy games, but before I thought that they were boring and I didn't like them as much. But now I actually love them because it kind of calls for me to be like better at planning and like think like, I guess, like forward thinking, thinking in the future and planning for things. So, yeah, it actually that did teach me a lot about life, too, <laughs> I guess, in terms of like forward thinking. So, yeah. yeah. OK, I now have a good question. That is how useful is just feedback at cons? Or developing the game, like, or just making things more user-friendly and stuff like that? Oh, it's super useful. Um, we usually let the players, like, go off on their own and play the game for a while and see, you know, if, there's, if they struggle anywhere or if they have any, like, I guess, pain points in which, like, they weren't be able to progress from, like, a certain point. Like, I noticed some players, um, they were, like, clicking back and forth be between things because they weren't sure what the buttons meant. And, like, we also use, like, left-click and right-click, so sometimes they get confused. Because, you know, for some strategy games, like, I think you press, like, right-click to, like, confirm something or to move somewhere. And, like, people were just, like, doing that as well. And then I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I had to, like, step in and just, like, explain a little bit more. But, yeah, but generally, like, overall, we had, like, a really good reception of Hel Halcyon 6. Because hmm. people that were like, oh, you know, pixel art, cute. Gory deaths, cute, like in <laughs> pixel art format. I mean, yeah. but yeah, they're like, uh, and also like it's turn based, and there's like sci-fi, you know, like spaceships and aliens. So that that really like, um, I guess they really like that. Oh, yeah. interesting. Because like uh, usually RTS right click is to move, left click is select. Mm -hmm. But in like strategy, right click's usually to cancel. So I'm kind of surprised mm -hmm. like they're having trouble with that. I think like, it's right -click different games because I'm like. Or maybe for me, my experience growing up from what I remember, 
Like, cause I, that's why I shied away from like a lot of strategy games. Cause like, like the buttons confuse me sometimes. Mm. And same with MOBAs too, like when I was younger, but now I'm, I guess I, I changed. So yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. I guess it like does call that like UX and also uh, UI is really important. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I do want to ask developer questions. You, uh, you were taking developer classes, uh, specifically VR, just there was just I, VR with it as well. Yeah, it was like specifically for VR. It was with an organization called uh, Dames Making Games. Mm-hmm. And like they're like a Toronto-based organization that like teaches people how to like code and make games. That was, that was really nice. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so like U- UI, that's uh, just... It's, oh, what's the word here? It's user interface. Mm-hmm. And then UX would be... User experience. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, curiosities on... So, like, how is VR development different from just regular de- development? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's just, like, a a separate... Or I'm not exactly sure. I guess it's, like, a different port. Because, like, for me, I'm not really uh, a coder. So, like, for me, it's just, like, all spaghetti to me. <laughs> <laughs> when I look at it, but um, but I think it's just for VR, you just have to like um, kind of um, choose like how you want to like port your game into because some because uh, we use Unity to develop our game, or like everyone had a separate project in class, and then like um, we but we all use Unity, hmm. and we had to use like in a short amount of time we had to learn how to like three D model things and like animate them and like kind of put like um, shaders and stuff. That was really confusing because at, at that time I was in Gamescom, so I missed a lot of the classes. Ooh. So I tried to catch up, but it was like a little bit difficult for me as well. Um, but like taking away from the class, um, it was a, definitely a good way to kickstart, I guess, uh, your career in game development or e- either like even like VR game development if you really want to. But obviously you have to put on like extra hours to get where you want to be. Because I know like some people at the end of the class, they ha- we had like a little like, show for everyone's projects whether it was like done or not and some people like finished on time that was really cool so yeah oh nice mm-hmm. uh where do you see vr like uh where do you see vr going as far as development goes in gaming and things like that like like how far do you think it can go or is it limited by technology or by imagination uh right like who knows we could be in vr right now like we don't know about <laughs> that maybe it's gotten too real that we can't tell and we're just like you know in the simulation. Um, but yeah, I think you can get it pretty real as soon as like hardware, you know, like refines itself to like maybe like just wearing Ray-Bans or even like contact lenses or something. Um, but that Ooh. obviously it'll take a while. Um, but I think like uh, more like as the technology improves for it, like the hardware, uh, definitely there'll be more content creators uh, coming out to play. So yeah, I'm really excited for the future of VR and AR as well. I'm wondering, uh, what is the, just cause you might know the, the cost to entry here. Like if you wanted to develop in VR, mm-hmm. uh, what is the cost there? Like, um, it, it depends on like what you want to do or, um, I guess like, um, right now to develop for VR, like you can start with just like a Google cardboard and that's like, I think it's, it's either free or it's like really cheap, like under $20. I think it's under 20, yeah, because yeah. I have one, but it's been, okay. it's been a while. Yeah, but it's like, that, that's a really good starting point if you want to get into VR. And uh, I also know there's like Samsung Gear VR as well. 
Um, that's that was the one that I started with. I think for my I think note four. I don't remember. It was it was a while ago. But um, that's also like a pretty good starting point because I remember watching a lot of videos uh, through the Samsung Gear VR. Um, but you can also plug that into your computer. Actually, no, sorry, it was a Google Cardboard because I took another workshop before that before this one, and we actually worked with a Google Cardboard. And like I made like a little underwater shooter game, and I ported it to the Google Cardboard. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but like you can either work with those, or you can like you know um, play with like HTC Vive or the Oculus, and develop for that. So it really depends on your experience and what you want to do with it. All right, cool. Because um, <coughs> I'm curious about that for just anyone who's actually interested in VR mm -hmm. development specifically. Mm -hmm what would be just the cost to entry? Because mm -hmm. that's one of the things is how cheaply can you do it, but how well can you do it on a cheap price? I think the most expensive thing is time. So if mm. you devote a lot of time. <laughs> but like <laughs> Unity is free to download for anyone. And also yeah. they have like an extensive script library so and a very supportive community. So if you're ever in need of like any help or any questions, like they're always there. Um, but like personally for me, I like using Unreal, which is also free to use. Um, basically, uh, basically because they have like their blueprints and it's like kind of easy to like connect things, but like, I'm still working on it, but like, I find it a lot more user-friendly than unity for, for me, but it's oh, different nice. for everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing about that is just, uh, unity has an image problem and that's because of the asset flippers and all that stuff going on. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like, is unity the lowest, uh, skill floor to get into? And then because of the asset store and just being able to buy all these things that you might not be able to do, that helps. Because you can get things that you're like, well, I'm not really good at coding this specific thing, so mm -hmm. I can actually just buy it. And it, the idea is that the Unity store is just to allow people kind of just buy and sell whatever trade they need mm -hmm. to make a game. And that's a nice thing, ideally, but then you have people do the asset flips and it just ruins everything. Mm -hmm. So do you think Unity has like an image problem and it's on them to, to do something about it or um... just everyone? Um, I don't know, because, like, I think the good thing about Unity is that they also have, like, um, a very, like, kind of, like, user-generated support in which everyone that's a developer jumps on board to help each other. So I don't yeah. think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, I guess well, it's certainly a good thing. Yeah, and the, yeah, in the end, in the end, it depends, like, what you wanted, like, how you interpret it. Because I guess for, like, beginner developers who are getting into it, um, there definitely is more of a support system. Um, so it really depends on everyone's learning style as well, because some people might be more, I guess, uh, maybe more keen to using Unreal versus Unity. I don't know. There's always, I, like, I heard about, like, this really big debate between, like, Unity and Unreal hmm. a while back. And I'm not sure if you've, if you heard of that one. It was a while back, though, a long time ago. Okay, because... But people were just uh... saying, like, we're, we're just trying to compare which one was better. But it's not about, like, what's better. It's about, like, what... Is best for your the experience that you want to create. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because my because my thing is my concern is you'll have uh, view you'll have g gamers who'll be like, oh, it's made in Unity, and then they just don't. Yeah, care. and they just kind of like like just shit on your game and like hate yeah. it for being made on Unity when they don't even know. Like, yeah, yeah, we like, um, yeah. I, I I was just like reading some of the articles and stuff. I was just like shaking my head. I was like, oh, you guys don't. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, like in the end, it really depends what you want to do. And like, um, I don't think either engine is better than the other. But like for me, like preferably, I would use Unreal because it's more user friendly to me. 
but uh, that was it. <laughs> yeah. I, because uh, I'm very much a layman on this, I'm learning it as I talk to you and other people. Cool. Um, so Unity's free and also Unreal, they're both free. And <laughs> so anyone could just, well, right now you can download it and just experiment with it and play with it and <laughs> try to make something. <laughs> That's cool. I did not know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you play around with it. Like in Unreal, I kind of like, um, I guess like I made a little house and stuff, and then I and then I put uh, I attached my uh, HTC Vive to like um, the computer, and I actually could walk around in like my little house that I made, and just like look at things. So that was like the beginning for me. And that that was like what got me into it. That's cool. Like, that's so cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that that yeah, that's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's way to put it. Yeah, but you, you can also do that with like your cardboard as well, and also. Um, the Samsung Gear VR. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, as far as like developing goes, for anyone who just wants to dive in and maybe just either just, not really self-taught, but not necessarily, are there just free resources to try to learn how to do development and stuff like that, just online mm-hmm. or anything? Like for me, I just type it up on YouTube, and pretty much mm-hmm. like everything is there for me. I suppose that's true. Just yeah. Google it. Yeah. Like, I don't have any, like, anyone specific, like, um, I just go on YouTube and just, like, type in the first thing, and I just, that's how I solve all my problems, YouTube and Google. <laughs> it's like, how yeah, do I, I do this? I think that would have been the better question, is, is there anyone specific who's good at teaching <laughs> that as a free resource? Yeah, let me double check, because I remember, like, since VR development is kind of new right now, there's a lot of, like, uh, I guess, developers on YouTube who give tutorials. I remember following a couple of them, but I don't recall. Because I remember I follow one guy who specifically like draws on Tiltbrush, and that's all he does. And then, he, and then after, I think he puts them over to Unity and animates them. Um, but I can't seem to recall his name because I follow a million people on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's how uh, it is. But I know there's like another um, Oculus Quill user called i think goro fujita and he basically draws uh on um the oculus rift their, their um app for um 3d drawing i think it's called quill it's like kind of like tilt brush but it's like for oculus rift and he like draws like these immaculate worlds and like you can go like so deep into the world hang on let me like let me like a video <laughs> i love his okay. stuff That's fujita. interesting yeah also I'm going to straighten my camera because I just realized I'm on a tilt and that's bothering me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just uh, if you find them, give them the links. I'll put them in the description. Yeah, I'll put it like right here. Oh, I don't know. No, I'll put them in the... (laughs) We can try that. I was just saying the description down below. The YouTubers go like, you know, do this and they go like this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, We'll see where we put it. I'm embarrassing you, aren't I? (laughs) Me? Me? Okay. (laughs) Uh, This is also fascinating. Very interesting. Um... Because develop like the podcast is about creators and learning about different forms of creation and just creation in games and creation in VR development because VR VR is the big thing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's not right. Everything's a big thing in gaming, but mm-hmm. VR is something new to play with and it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the limits it can go, mm-hmm. and uh, just just think about yeah the what's the word here the the obstacles to entry to doing that. And you're mm-hmm. saying Unity's free, Unreal's free, so that's pretty awesome right there. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's just interested in puttering around and playing around with that, yeah. that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So like, that is, I'm still very new to it myself, so I'm 
also trying to disc- like every day like I always find new apps that people introduce that help you like uh that makes like 3D modeling easier so you can also make assets for your game as well because like doing all the art and all the coding and everything else for a game it's like a lot of work so it's nice that there are all these like uh free VR apps popping up that help you either like I guess I guess it makes the process a lot easier hmm. yeah that's the interesting thing is of course as things have gotten more advanced Mm-hmm. Teams have just getting gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. collaborative and things like that. Yeah. When when gaming first began with the arcade machines, it was one dude or two mm-hmm. dudes. Yeah. And that was it. And mm-hmm. it's just fascinating seeing how far it's gone. Because mm-hmm. I went to a uh, exhibit called Game Masters, and it was just basically the history of gaming from oh, the arcade cool. machines all the way to now. Wow. And it was like, whoa, it's just crazy seeing one man or, or two dudes making a game. And a funny thing is Konami, uh, they didn't allow the people who made the games to be named. They weren't credited. So it's just everything's made by wow. Konami. You don't even know who made mm-hmm. those things. Which of is course. Of course they would do that. Because it's Konami. <laughs> yeah. uh, freaking Konami being Konami. Yeah. <laughs> Question. Um, is Halcyon 6 on the Switch? or No, it's not. It's... You guys uh, tried to get on the Switch? We're we're working on a port. Mm. I'm not allowed to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Because this is my favorite thing about the Switch is just the port. It's it's a port and it's portable port. Yeah. And like it's the pl- it feels like the place to be for indies on on console right now mm-hmm. because they can just game and go anywhere they want and it's yeah. just awesome. That's awesome. Like I I don't have the Switch myself, but like I've seen a lot of people playing it like in public. And, like, it's pretty cool, because I'm, like, I always, like, look over, I'm like, oh, what game are they playing? It's like, oh, it's Stardew Valley, that's cool. <laughs> it's like, I know that game. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, I'll be exciting t- if we could see our game on that. And that'll be cool if I happen to walk by someone playing, you know, on the Switch. I'll be like, hey, I'm part of the team that made that. But, yeah. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, I don't, like, if you guys are, you guys are trying to make a proper Switch and everything, mm-hmm. and not asking for confirm or denial on whether or not it has touch controls, but how difficult would adding touch controls be to a game like Halcyon 6? Well, uh, right now, we're Oh, right, on- it's already on tablet, yeah. huh? Yeah, we're on so iOS, so, yeah, pretty easy. <laughs> My bad. I forgot. I forgot. No worries. And it's perfect on there. It's really good yeah, to have it on yeah. there. It's already got portability. Yeah. So, my bad on forgetting it's already on a tablet. <laughs> so, you already have that. But the Switch is definitely like an excellent uh, console to be on. I do agree with you. And it's also, it's not Steam. Like, Steam has a bajillion games. And mm-hmm. it's not PlayStation Store, which has a bajillion games. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, right now, it's it's the new console. It has just a smaller, not as many games on there. Mm-hmm. And you'll definitely stand out in there. Mm-hmm. I just I just heard it's like harder to get into Nintendo because they really keep their games really well because it's like they want it to be family friendly and so yeah I just heard that's like a lot harder to get into Nintendo than it is versus other platforms huh mm-hmm. well they're having Dark Souls so they're they're easing up oh, yeah. a little bit yeah. oh they also have Doom <laughs> oh, yeah. so they're easing Doom. up <laughs> it's definitely easing up now <laughs> yeah so that little pixel gore shouldn't be so bad yeah, it shouldn't be too bad to have pixelated, that pixelated cute gory deaths no problem <laughs> oh, this is strong. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's sucky after all. Um, what is the most fascinating thing, or most interesting thing about being a community manager? Mm. Oh man, there's so many things. Um, definitely the way sometimes when you have to approach 
maybe how to solve a conflict of any or like i guess how to interact with people in such a way that they don't uh come off like i guess take away from the situation as a negative like because then we do experience like experience bugs a lot and then people report them in and like obviously sometimes they're a little bit frustrated and they express that frustration but like as like for me i try to take up more of like a an empathy based approach to um a communication because obviously no one likes to encounter bugs especially on a game that you played for mm-hmm. and paid for sorry and um so for me i guess the most challenging and interesting thing is how to i guess i guess um ease the tension that's sometimes caused um but for the most part like our community they're pretty good people like no one really rages at each other or at us mm-hmm. so it's it's a really nice community that we have but i think the most like interesting thing would be try to i guess um have like a good i guess like a very proactive and empathy based mindset when dealing or yeah when talking to other players oh that's cool mm-hmm. uh another question would be uh so since you're a community manager you're dealing with i'd say uh forums right and yeah forums and social media and like sometimes it's really hard to like not create content well i guess to create content because like there's so like you know in like our digital age of like there's the vast wasteland of knowledge and like information that even when you create something it's not always going to i guess like be like i guess get looked at sometimes yeah or like you have to keep on your toes and creating really good content to keep up with your audience because everyone's just like flipping through their screens like just scrolling past and like I guess like the amount of time that they spend looking at like what you create is like so minimal compared to like a lot of the other content out there that's like backed by like huge teams who like spend days on creating like a perfect, you know, video or something. So it is a challenge like doing it as like a I guess doing it as a small team versus the big teams out there. But yeah, I guess the quest to always like create good content that's very relatable is always a very challenging thing that I face every day. I don't know if you also experience that as well, being a content creator uh, yourself. Yeah, because you have to get your name out there and everything, and it's very for for like YouTube, it's like good thumbnail. You have to have like a really good thumbnail to get people to want to click or title thumbnail or yeah. title to get people interested. This is true. Because I was wondering, like big uh, titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but my God, does that work? Like, really. Ooh. Oh. Clickbait works very well because it's clickbait. It's it wouldn't be clickbait if it wasn't. That's effective. true. I, I'm affected too. It's like those ads. Yeah. It's like this dentist hates this mom for doing this thing. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, why? Yeah. I click on it. I'm, I'm like at the point where like I know it's clickbait, so I'll click on it less. So mm-hmm. I feel like generations of getting more jaded and they'll click on. Clickbait They're smarter less. now. They're smarter. Yeah. <laughs> so it requires more ways to clickbait, and I think visuals another way. And so that's what I'm wondering about, like, you're advertising Halcyon 6 on Twitter and on Facebook and everything. So, like, the first frame's got to be extremely important. Mm-hmm. Just, like, make them want to click on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just the perils and just the pressure of being worth looking at. Which yeah, exactly. It's a scary it's, thing. Ex- it is, it is. And, like, also, like, I guess um, community management and just, like, content creation itself is, like, something that evolves every single day. Like what I know about community management like a year ago is completely different than it is today because there's so much more like new channels to promote on and like everyone's attention span like changes by like the second. So it's like 
I guess it's really difficult to create content that's like, um, or I'm not sure what content is some, like what kind of content they would like to look at, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's just like a lot of experimentation. It's like, I hope that goes right. <laughs> yeah. I think the scary thing is just, uh, there's so many channels and like, mm-hmm. Just keeps growing and growing and growing to figure out who to who to show the game to and who actually will probably cover your game. Yeah. And just like who probably won't. And so mm-hmm. you're not wasting time on that. But mm-hmm. like, do you have to do, I would assume you have to have some sort of cutoff or criteria, just whether or not it's the right way to do it. You just have to have something because there's just so much to deal with. Yeah. Like sometimes I guess for me, like I'm thinking of maybe, maybe going to discord, like starting, I guess like, our, our own devs channel in case like any like because i've seen some game devs do that they actually invite a bunch of people to their like a bunch of players to their channel and then they can Ooh. either play games with the devs or like either i guess give feedback but like obviously the devs won't always you know like um reply but it's just like another extra channel in case people want to i guess um congregate there because i know the steam forums for us a lot of people post on it but i don't feel like people usually talk to each other unless it's like someone asking for help or asking for a question. But I want to create more conversation around like, oh, you know, what are your favorite, you know, officers? What's your favorite class? Like, what's your favorite skill kind of thing? But I feel like um, we don't get a lot of like conversation created around those things. So I kind of want to move the conversation there. I don't know. Hmm, It's just like a lot of different, like, just try to play around and see what gets people going. But like I posted like a, tweet i think a day ago like about like um our precursor behemoths and our upcoming dlc and that got pretty good reactions so yeah so that's like one thing i noticed that people really like photos and videos that's what that's so dang sure yeah Mm -hmm. because yeah uh community managing community is important engaging community is important and sometimes (laughs) there's only so much you can do sometimes you just kind of need a superhero community member to get things Mm -hmm. rolling besides yourself yeah that's for sure. It's just kind of the perils. And just also, I was assume because you had, you said you had like a lot of German uh, fan base. So yeah. just knowing what time to talk as well. That's true. Because like they are, I think, six hours ahead. If I'm not, yeah, I'm six hours ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, two, like, two of our team members are based in Germany. So huh. like, I think, I think they're six hours ahead. Because they're up, yeah. Because I, I see them like type in Slack when it's like three a.m. I'm like, what? I was like, oh yeah, they're in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Another question would be uh, communication between community managers of other mm-hmm. games, like just mm-hmm. like how's that? Like, do you guys? There's got to be times where you guys are talking. You're all just talking and maybe talking about uh, interactions you've had, mm-hmm. or just maybe advice or tips for each other in yeah. dealing with community. Yeah, at like I think at Games UX I met Anne. Um, she's the the community manager at Guerrilla Games, uh, the people who made Horizon Zero Dawn. Ooh. And like, yeah, well, she was such a nice person. We ate Timbits and like drank coffee. <laughs> I showed her the Canadian way. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, um, we I guess like we shared tips on like what we do on like a daily basis, like what our routine is, like right when we start work, and like and. Like, we both came to the conclusion that community management isn't something that you can, like, hang up your hat at the end of the day at, like, 5 or 6 p.m. Because, like, you have so many different players around different time zones that you always have to be on the clock. So, like, for us, like, I guess our day never really ends because we're always checking social media sometimes just to see if anyone 
like pinged us or replied us. That's important to look at, even on the weekends too. So there isn't really like, uh, I guess, like an end to our day sometimes. That's just the tip for anyone who wants to get into community management. So it takes up a lot of your time. It seems like what it is just in general in a lot of these, in a lot of creation is just your hours or what you make them. Yeah. And you, it, it's hard to just stick to the hours, but you probably should. Yeah. Cause sometimes like I can't even tell if I'm still doing work or if I'm not doing work like after 6 PM. Hmm. Cause I'm just like, Oh, it's like, I sh like, um, I just see people like typing and like, you know, responding to messages. So I just like do it here and there whenever, I've, whenever I have a little pocket of time to like in my day. Like after my hours, I guess. Mm. But yeah, and yeah, because uh, just it just feels like because the world is getting more connected internet-wise, and because mm. time zones all over the place are getting more connected, mm. you kind of you can't have that normal schedule per se. Like maybe you start that schedule for very important work you just got to get done that yeah, day yeah. or whatever, mm. and then there's things that you just have to be flexible on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That seems like all creation in some way, especially this is true. This is true. when you rely on, you know, the public and mm -hmm. like, if you're not a, if you're not like an industry, I, I like making cans, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a weird one, making a thing, mm -hmm. uh, like cars or something, you have yeah. to constantly be on and just got, get your community going. Yep. Yeah. Like the conversation never stops in, in some form or way, which is kind of cool and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> One more I want to ask about before we end this out. That was, how was it? Um, there was a summit you went to a couple months back. It was the, the game, game Summit or something like that? Yeah, it was the Games UX Summit. Um, okay. It was held in Toronto. And I think it was a while ago, so my memory might be a little yeah. shoddy. But uh, I think it was hosted by Epic Games and Riot, sponsored by Riot and uh, Ubisoft as well. Because we, we have a Ubisoft office in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So I think they were the ones who organized the events. And then and I think a couple other companies sponsored us to make this event happen, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> Could be totally wrong. wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, they just hosted a bunch of like talks um, from UX and UI designers. And they discussed like how to make your game, I guess, like, I guess some, some of the talks that I um, attended were dealing with toxicity in game. And it was like... Ooh. Yeah, it was like all it was like all um, tied together with user experience because um, the way that you design your game also reflects like um, on people's behavior as well and how they react to the game. Like let's say um, League of Legends, for example, because um, uh, Cam Fung from Riot Games actually came in to give a talk about that, and he was saying like how um, they tried to make the at one point League of Legends was a very very toxic game, which is at why I point. stopped. At one point, which was why I stopped playing. I think it's a little bit better now. I haven't went back to it, yeah. but like they, I remember like they were implementing a system where they rewarded teamwork and communication, and I guess they tried to, I guess, encourage, like, I guess, positive reinforcement among their players to work together to, I guess, um, win. I guess, <laughs> but yeah. like, I think, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job, like, reducing toxicity in that sense. Um, cause I don't, I don't play it now, so I'm not really sure how to compare the game Yeah. versus like when I played it last, but, uh, Cam, he really made some good points and I think you can find all his, all their talks of the game Ooh. summit on YouTube, which I will also link you in case anyone is also interested in 
getting into user experience and user interface design. That is important. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, toxicity is such a problem mm -hmm. uh, in general. And that, what, that, that does drive people away. Toxicity mm -hmm. drives people away from a game, and that just hurts a company so bad. And, yeah, League of Legends is just such a big one. It just feels like they're such a behemoth that nothing could ever go wrong for them. But, but they, did a, I, I, they did a good job with trying to re reduce the toxicity. Yeah. Like, I remember, I think they implemented a system where you can choose your role um, before you enter, like, queue up for a game, and it matches you with yeah. teammates that have other roles. And I thought that this is a really good solution on their part, because I remember when I got into, like, a random fives game sometimes with pubs, like, yeah. people would pick the same role, and they would fight over roles, and, like, that, like, and then having that kind of, like, tension before a game even starts with their team kind of snowballs, like, I guess, later on, if you, if someone dies, and they're like, oh, I'm blaming that person for being bad, I guess. And for then, sure, that does. Yeah. So, it's good that they kind of implement that system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, my, my problem I've always had with that system, though, is... It just, and it's why I just stopped playing MOBAs for the most part, is it just makes the game so rigid. Like, mm -hmm. you're required to do this and that to the point that mm -hmm. there's no experimentation on the, on the casual side of things, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Just as a thing. Like, um, but talking about uh, dealing with uh, users and, like, maybe bugs or... Uh, if they've ever been mad about just the difficulty curve of the game or something just something like that which is just part of the actual design of the game where they're just actually mad about it. it's not the it's not a bug but just the game itself has is inferior to them because halcyon 6 can be difficult when you first play it <laughs> yeah like i guess we've had a couple of people say that it was it was really um difficult because like they felt that the game threw you right in and then it just like you know you're just basically tossed into like a roller coaster with no seatbelt on, and you're just like ah. <laughs> um, and we've also had some people say that it wasn't difficult enough. So we've had a collection of both players. So we can't please everyone, I guess, but we tried our best to balance the game very well. Um, for me, like my personal experience with the game when I first played it, um, I wasn't a strategy player, so I got lost on like a lot of instances and like what to do. But like as I guess as you play more and you spend more time on something, you will eventually get better at it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I guess that's what difficulty settings are for, mm -hmm. after all. Yeah. Or because we have like I think about six of them. Ooh. Six. Yeah. Because I don't remember at the moment the difficulty settings. Like I feel like mm -hmm. the best one is if you just make everything kind of a meter. You're like, mm -hmm. I want this faction to be this strong, or mm -hmm. I want to have this much resources start. Things like that. Oh yeah. But. Like, I think just the more customization you can have to difficulty, the better, in my opinion. Just makes it, it more fun. It, but, but it also can be overwhelming to new players mm, as well. That's also true. Yeah. And I guess you could have, like, standard mode, and then here's mode where you can mess with everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember playing it because I'm like, okay, it's kind of like XCOM, and it's got uh, RPG elements to it. I I did, like, one or two runs, and I'm like, okay, now I understand what I'm doing wrong, and then I restarted. <laughs> But yeah, it can get overwhelming for sure, and that's just yeah. kind of the thing about strategy games. But overall, I think Halcyon Six is pretty good once you figure. But once you figure out the loop and how to manage things, it does mm -hmm. get easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which it's supposed to get easier if you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, but that's less for sure. difficulty settings are for. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think Halcyon Six is a pretty good game, and Thank I hope you. it gets on Switch. Uh, that that'd be good because just the stories you hear from other developers, they're like Super Meat Boy. Oh. They're like, uh, we got on Switch. And our sales went up as big as they were in like 2016 because of whatever 
big boost they had back then. Mm-hmm. So like it, it hit like 30% increase or something like that. It's like, oh, wow. So being on there is pretty nice. Yeah, that's so for sure. Hopefully uh, you guys can get on there because it has been pretty nice for all the developers I've seen that have made very quality games. Mm-hmm. And so hope for that. Yeah, thank so you. Let's end this out with one, one more thing. That's got to be just any bit of advice. It can be for development or for, co- for community managing. Just whatever advice you want to give to the listeners. Mm. To the, hmm, this is tough. I think you asked me this question last time. <laughs> and I was like, it's been damn a while. it. It's like, this is the stumper. I don't know. Um, any advice? Let's see. Um, the advice that I wished that I was given, I guess, when I was starting out in this, uh, was to always, I guess, hmm, never be afraid to, I guess, say yes to everything <laughs> or I don't know if that's the right advice to give <laughs> maybe for my personality like I'm always very cautious and hesitant about doing certain things when I should just like go straight for it and just do it so for me I felt that held me back from doing a lot of things because I always did a lot of pl- pre-planning before I even started on anything hmm. so I guess I'm not exactly sure what the question was is it for developer or community manager because they're both really okay different. no i'm just gonna i'm gonna make it easier <laughs> one one of each one of each advice for That's community manager and, one, and developer <laughs> i don't think of two answers <laughs> <laughs> oh. i just drink a little more and you'll think oh, of something okay, okay true good call good call um okay for community management i would always say um try to be as empathetic as possible and always try to listen to your players and i guess step into their shoes before you react because I know sometimes people receive really negative um, comments and stuff and obviously no one likes negative comments but like I remember if I ever um, I guess try to remember if you ever encounter these types of situations just try to remove yourself as a person (laughs) (laughs) yeah be cognitive dissonant no um I guess try to psychopath yeah be a psychopath this is not good for me here um (laughs) I would say just to remove yourself from the situation, like the emotional part of the situation and try to see objectively what is causing the tension and try to tackle the problem, not the person. And just remember that they're frustrated because at the problem, not you. But sometimes they can lash out, but that's Mm. not your fault. That's their fault, right? But sometimes you can't really do anything about that, but be understanding. And sometimes just by being like understanding and, you know, just showing the other cheek, um, people sometimes would apologize for the behavior after they, you know, assessed the situation some more. Hmm. Cause I've had that happen to me where like someone just like lashed out at me and I was like, Oh, I'm really sorry that you're experiencing that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, how can I help you? And they're like, Oh, I'm actually really sorry about lashing out at you. Blah, blah, blah. And then we just, <laughs> yeah, we just like, um, hash the situation out. So it wasn't like a bad thing. Huh. It, like I didn't come off from that experiences with like negative feelings. And I hope, they didn't either but like yeah i guess that having like a really empathetic mindset helped me or hopefully it helped me because <laughs> i sound like a psychopath there for a second <laughs> i'm not it, it's uh, there's yes. no way to know so <laughs> no it sounds like good advice but so developer advice as well then hmm, i'm pretty noob as a developer so i don't know what kind of advice you want from me well, anything you've observed from your uh, from your coworkers back at the office or anything like that? Just, I guess. Remotely, so we don't really have an office. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, um, hmm, I guess, like, from my past, like, working at previous studios, um, always communicate with your team 
communication is really important. And um, like you might be really skilled at what you do, but having skills like would be meaningless if you aren't able to communicate that well with your team and what you want to do. So teamwork and communication is really important. And that's okay. my there you go. There, there's the advice from expert developer Jacqueline Joy here. <laughs> but, all right. So this has been basically a podcast. And uh, where are things we can find you and Halcyon 6? Um, you can find us at playhalcyon6game.com or playhalcyon6.com. Okay. And then your Twitter is just is Jacqueline Joy. Or you and... can just follow our, our game Twitter. That works too. Yeah. Because I think like my it's... Twitter is like hard to spell. I need a yes, with the suit. Yeah. <laughs> and but there's also uh, the company's name is, uh, is Massive Yeah, Massive yeah. Damage. Massive underscore damage. Or you could follow us at uh play Halcyon Six Game. Sorry, it's Halcyon Six Game on Twitter. Okay. Sorry for the confusion. And it can be found on is a PC and uh, yeah. a PC on, and tablet. We're on Steam and we're on iOS. There you go. Not not Android yet. But. Yeah, not Android yet. Like uh, that'd be cool, but uh, <laughs> it's perfect. It's really good for tablets, so hopefully it gets on Switch, so they can do whatever people can do whatever they want on that because that would be a good travel game. Yeah, we're it's working on good. it. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah. So basically, podcast everybody. That's what we have right now. It's pretty good uh, guest here with Jack and Joy, and we'll have her again in the future because there's Yay. always stuff worth learning yeah. from Jack and Joy. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Well, you better just start making notes right now. Let's... <laughs> I will. There you go. I had fun. Hope you're from watching. That's what's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Let's come by and see you next time. Bye.